What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And then in verse 15, she tries one last time to dissuade Ruth, and, and this time, she, 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 she tries to just blend in argument, and she says, you need to go back. You need to go back. Just blend in again with your people and with your gods. And when Naomi challenged Ruth with this last challenge to just go back, just blend in again with your people and your gods, that's when Ruth steps up to the plate and makes this beautiful testimony. Declaration, verses 16 and 17. It's her personal 1 Peter 2.10 declaration. It's her 1 Peter 2.10 testimony that she's taking her stand, and she says, look, for me, in time past, I was not a people, but now I'm the people of God. I'm part of the people of God. I had not returned, obtained mercy, but now I've obtained mercy. So verse 16 is where Ruth is saying, thy people are my people, and thy God, my God. And she's saying, I'm now a part of the people of God. So Ruth, verses 16 through 17 is Ruth's declaration that she's not going back to just blend in with the Moabite people. Even if there's a famine in the land, even if there's affliction in the land of Israel, Ruth says, I'll suffer affliction with the people of God. And, 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 and I won't enjoy those sins, those pleasures of sin in Moab anymore. So in verse 18, Naomi believes her. Naomi gives up because she knew that, you know, that, that her forehead was stronger. You know. Ruth's forehead was stronger than Naomi, so there's no sense to beat on that anymore. So in verse 19, we, we saw how they came, they, they both came into Bethlehem. See, verse 19. So they both, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. Now, looking at verse 18, where it says that Naomi could see that Ruth was steadfastly minded, and there was no sense in verse 19 where to argue anymore. So it says they both went until they came to Bethlehem. We can imagine as we're walking at this point, you know, maybe there's silence. It's like a silence, you know, they're walking together, but Naomi's not really happy at all with Ruth, but, you know, they're going alone. And, but really, when you step back and you look at 19, it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of two going together. It's just, just Naomi and Ruth. And, and this is the way the rest of their lives are going to be. It's, Naomi is beautiful. For Naomi, it's a homecoming. 
Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's 10 years or so since she's been away and since Naomi has left Bethlehem. And she's coming home, but not exactly for Ruth. For Ruth, she's never been to Bethlehem. We can just imagine the excitement in, in Ruth's heart as, as they approach Bethlehem and, and she's asking all these questions because she, this is now her people. She is now a part of the people of God and, and, and she's about to meet the people of God. She'd never known the people of God except for Naomi. Now, present precious picture there. Of, of a new Christian, of a new believer, of a believer who has just been saved, and he doesn't know other Christians except for maybe the person who led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's the time for him to bring him to church, meet the people of God. And we see at the end of verse 19 how the people of God can be a little rude when <laughs> they say, is this Naomi? And sometimes the people of God at church don't act like the people of God. <laughs> so, and Ruth, welcome to the people of God. They can be, she says, they can be a little rough around the edges, but they're still the people of God, you know? And, and, and so it, it's a good thing that you became a, uh, it's a good thing, Ruth. They know me talking to Ruth. It's a good thing, Ruth, you became a part of the people of God because of the God part and not because of the people part. Because <laughs> sometimes the people part are a little hard to take. But anyway, now, so, we see now what happened when Naomi arrives in Bethlehem. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass, come to Bethlehem. All the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? See, when it says they went until they came to Bethlehem, all the moving of the city, that we can see the, the headlines of the newspapers in Bethlehem. Gone for 10 years, Naomi returns home alone, or, or maybe with her Moabitess. So evidently, Naomi was very well known in Bethlehem. I mean, how big was it anyway? And, and they were a very prominent and promising family. It must have been a shock when the family left, the family of four left from Moab originally, and, and probably there's been no news. Whatever happened to Elimelech and Naomi and the sons and so forth, whatever happens to Bethlehem, well, here she comes. All of a sudden, one day she comes, and she must have looked like a sight. And, and, the, and, and, of course, the women of Bethlehem, they're so tactful when they greet her, you know, just like a little kid that sees a mole on a face and says, you, he says, you know, what's that black thing on your face? Get a tissue and wipe it off, you know? <laughs> Were you born that way or, you know? <laughs> why, don't you, why, why doesn't somebody fix it, you know? <laughs> and there's people rushing out. They come rushing out to Naomi and, and with their, is this Naomi? You know, it must have made her feel really good, you know? <laughs> Naomi, are you really Naomi? You look so terrible. What happened to you? You know, and so, you know, verse 20, she responds in like manner. She says, you know, she says, uh, she responds back. She says, now Naomi means pleasantness and Mara means bitterness. So Naomi says to the group, don't call me that anymore. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. So here we see Naomi acknowledging that she has been reduced She's been reduced. She didn't look good physically. She'd been reduced to poverty. And she probably has had to sell everything that she had just to come back home. She had to sell everything. It reminds me of my, uh, my friend Tomeskin from Ethiopia. And he lived in an animistic village not far from Budajira. And first he was living there. And all of his siblings died, except for his sister Kibu. And then his father died. And all, they had, all he had left was his mother and his sister. And they had one goat. And then, and then, then Temeskin, an evangelist came to their village one night, and a neighbor lady was saved, and the neighbor lady was dying, a lot of death, and that lady did something that Ethiopian women never do. She cried out as she's dying. Ethiopian women don't cry out. I've been to the general hospital there, seen women dying in childbirth, it happens, and they won't make a sound. They'll just die quietly. 
But this lady cries out, and she cries out the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save her, and he did. And she was healed. And that so impressed the Temeskin and the family and the mother and the sister that when the evangelist lady came back to their village, they all called on the name of the Lord, and they were saved. And then Temeskin got osteosarcoma, in his right leg, and it started swelling up, and the, as some brilliant people came along and said that he needed to go to a hospital in Addis, and they didn't have any money to, for the bus fare, so they sold their one possession, the goat, and they bought the ticket, and, the, and, and, and then the, he got there, and they cut his leg off. And the family wondered what was going to happen to them. How was gonna, God going to take care of them? And, and well, that's when he met my attorney, Mary Louise Cohen, who adopted him, and Mary Louise Cohen owns more than one goat. And so <laughs> she took him to Washington, D.C. and for treatment and bought a house for the mother in Kibu and so forth. But the point I'm trying to make from this is probably, like Temeskin's family, Naomi had sold all that she had in order to make the trip back to Bethlehem. She had nothing. And so when she arrives, the city of Bethlehem is moved. And, and, and the word moved there means it's in, it's in an uproar. And the whole city is asking, what happened to Naomi? How did she get reduced to this poverty? And then she replies, don't call me that anymore. Now, Naomi acknowledges here when she says that. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And so the Almighty, and she says, the Almighty has chastened me. My, I had a, my sin was I left the people of God, and I tried to blend in with the Moabites. And what's interesting in her response here is that she has chosen one word for God, and she holds on to this word. And she says, you know, I'm not going to call him Adonai. I'm not going to call him Elohim. I'm not going to call him El. I'm going to call him Almighty, the Almighty. And he uses that, she knows she uses that word in verse 20 and verse 21. And she's thinking about what happened in verse 20. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And then she says in verse, and then she says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And so she calls God the Almighty. The Almighty had testified against me. So she's, when she's thinking about God, who did this to her, she says, he's the Almighty. Now, the word she used, and the word for Almighty, is the word Shaddai. She didn't say El Shaddai. El Shaddai is God. El, God, the Almighty. So she just says Shaddai. She calls Shaddai. It's a very interesting word, especially when, when you consider the root meaning of this word Shaddai. It's not altogether clear, but one, of, one idea is the root meaning of this comes from an unused Hebrew root word, Shaddai. And Shaddai means to water or to make grow, you know, by water. Still, still used in some Arabic today, and to water to make grow. The sense is to make grow. As a matter of fact, what's used today, shada means breast. Shada means breast. In Hebrew and Arabic, shata means breast. And, and so the, the original meaning is still preserved in the sense that the breast makes the milk, the babies grow. And so this word shadai is first introduced to us in Genesis. And when we study the use of it in the context of how it's used, it's all, we always see Shaddai in the, in the context of blessing or fruitfulness. It was in Genesis 17, 1, when God said, and when Abraham was 90, year, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am Almighty, I am Shaddai. And walk, I am Shaddai, I'm Almighty God, I'm El Shaddai, I'm Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect or fruitful. When Isaac was blessing Jacob in Genesis 28.3, it says, and God Almighty, Shaddai, and Shaddai, bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And then when God spoke to Abraham, so see the context we're getting here, blessing, fruitfulness, Shaddai, 
to water to make grow. And then God speaks to Jacob in Genesis 35, 11. He says, and God said unto him, I am God Almighty, I'm Shaddai. He said, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, a company nation shall be of thee, kings out of your loins. And then when Jacob is speaking to, to Joseph, his son, in Genesis 48, 3, it says, Jacob said unto Jacob, God Almighty, God Shaddai, Shaddai, appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed Shaddai, blessing Shaddai, fruit. And then Jacob on his deathbed, and he's blessing Joseph in, in Genesis 49, 25, and he says, even by the God of thy father who shall help thee and by the Almighty, Shaddai, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb, See, Shaddai, blessings, blessings, Shaddai, fruit, fruit. So it's always in this context that the, uh, of Shaddai is in the, it's a good, good, good explanation that Shaddai comes from meaning water to make fruitful and make, make, make grow. So Naomi uses this word Shaddai for God. She's thinking God is the one who is like, who's the blesser. God is the one who makes the water, like the waters to grow. And referring to God as the source of water that makes, that, that, that makes things grow that carries through in the, in the Hebrew for the word heaven. Heaven is shamayim. So there's the two words put together. Sham is there. Mayim is water. So in other words, God says, look, when you look to heaven, you just remember that's the place where water comes from. Water's over there. Water up there. Okay? So the, and, and we know the power of water. We live in San Diego. What would we be without water? We'd dry up like everything else. And, and you go to El Centro. In El Centro, what, what is El Centro? When you drive there, the, the part that's not watered, it's terrible. It's, it's desert, scorched, no green, all is dead. But when the water is brought to El Centro, you see this bursting out of, of fruit, supplying a major supplier, vegetables in the U.S. Why? Water. The Lord Jesus Christ said he was Shaddai, or the one that, uh, that brings water. In John 7, 37, last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He said, if anyone is, is really thirsty for life, you should come to him, and he'll give him, because he's Shaddai. He's going to give him the water. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In fact, Shaddai is brought out by calling this water the water of life. It says that in John 4, 14, when he's speaking to the woman at the well, he said, whoever drinks of this water, sorry, whoever gives the water that I'll give him, never thirst. The water I give him, you know, water, a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. In Revelation 21, 6, it says, he said, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. There's that phrase, the water of life, freely. And again, in, the, in Revelation 22, 1, he showed me a pure, a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. So as Naomi keeps emphasizing the Shaddai to her, she keeps emphasizing that she's thinking the one who makes things grow, the one who blesses, the one who makes fruitful. And by her use of Shaddai, she's saying that, 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 that he chastened me to help me. He, he, he didn't chasten me in judgment to destroy me. And when we're chastened by the Lord, it's only because he loves us. As he says in Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loveth. He chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. The Lord talked to David about Solomon. He said, he, he was telling about, the Lord was talking to David about his son Solomon in 2 Samuel 7, 14. He said, I'll, he said to David, for your son, I'll be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, 
which Solomon did from time to time. Anyway, he says, if he committed iniquity, I'll chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. So the Lord says his relationship with Solomon was going to be, I'll be his father. He'll be my son. And what's the proof? That the first thing is that I'm going, if he commits iniquity, I'm not going to let him get away with it. Why? Because I love him. I love him like a father loves a son. See, twice in the book of Deuteronomy, God told the Israel people, he used this term, consider in your hearts. They use that term twice in the book of Deuteronomy. Consider in your heart. Consider it in thine heart. And so the first one, he says, Deuteronomy 4.39, Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart that the Lord, he's God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath, and there's none else. So he wants them to think about that. And in Deuteronomy 8.5, he said, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart, same phrase, that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. There's two times when God says, really think about this. Really let this set in. First, almighty God is, there's none else like him. Second, he loves you when he chastens you. And they're to stop and to think about that. Look at creation. He says, stop and think, look at creation and see there's no God like him and there's none else. And then look at your situation when you're chastened and realize it's the love of God. It's the love of a father to a son. He says that. So Naomi purposefully chooses this word Shaddai to explain what happens to her because she sees herself as being chastened. And the reason she uses that is because she's saying, look, like water comes to a parched dead desert and makes it blossom and makes it fruitful. Shaddai is gonna come to the desert of my soul and make it fruitful. Job understood this, and this goal that God has, when he said, when he had tried me, in Job 23.10, when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Shaddai made Job come forth as gold after he tried him. Shaddai, like the water, has the goal of fruitfulness. That's the purpose of water. God has a purpose for water. There's one word that Shaddai is used speaking about water, and it's in these verses here, where it says in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That's me, I'm the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void until it accomplish that which it pleased, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. And that's the word, sent. The rain doesn't just happen, it's sent by God. You know, when we receive a package, the first thing we do is we look at the address label to see who sent it to us, and we see who it came from. See, Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, it tells us that when we look at the rain, we should see it as a package with the label that's got on it from God. And, and when we see the rain, we should, we, we, we should think about God holding the rain accountable. Because that's really what Isaiah 55 is saying. He's holding it accountable. He said, now I'm sending you to the earth. And now you go. And you bring forth, and, the, and you make bud, and you give seed to the sower, and you give bread to the eater. And don't come back until you've done it. And he says the rain. So you've done that job. And, and then when you do come back, give me an account. I'm holding you accountable. So should I is the water that brings forth the life to come forth. In the same way, God sends his word to us. Same way, that's what he says in Isaiah 55. He says to his word, I'm, I'm sending you to my child. Now you go, you make my child bring forth fruit. And his word has his orders from God. It's gonna accomplish it. 
And King David tells us in this way, he learned by Shaddai the righteous statutes of God. He said, it's good for me, in Psalm 119.71, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Shaddai made David learn God's statutes. King Solomon tells us the motivation again between God's chastening when he said, he's repeated what God told David about him, but he said in Proverbs 3.12, whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a child, father, the son in whom he, he delighteth. Shaddai is the father. He loves us. He corrects us. When God corrects us, God's saying, I love you too much to let you get away with that. I love you too much to let you get away with that. Correction is the expression of God's love. And that's what he said in Revelation 3.19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, repent. His goal of correction is to prune the sin away. Shaddai does that, to bring it again. You know, I've seen Cheryl, she loves to guard. I've seen her prune a tree right down to the ground. And I said to her, it's dead already. (laughs) You can't live. Take it out. She says, no. She waters it. And something amazing happens. It comes back to life again. Why? Water. Water made that tree come back to life. Sometimes God likes Cheryl. He prunes a tree right down to the ground. And it looks like that tree is, 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 is gone forever. It's dead. It'll never live again. But Shaddai comes, the water, and it makes it fruitful again. And this is what Job was describing about his own life as a pruned tree. And he said in Job 14, 7 through 9, for there is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the earth, yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. See, sometimes we feel like we've been cut down. We're a cut down tree. We feel like the root that's dried up and old in the earth looks dead. But Shaddai comes as the scent of water and makes, the, makes it to bud again and bring forth fruit. Water is the hope for the dry root. Water reaches the dry root. That root sees that water, and it just almost reaches out. It sees like it reaches out, takes hold of that water, and sucks up the water. And we can almost hear that dry root when the water comes, it's crying out like Jacob did in Genesis 32 when he says, uh, there, I got you, and now I won't let you go unless thou bless me. And that's the hope of the Jewish people because it's described in Isaiah. 27, five through six, where he says, oh, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he, may, and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come to, of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. See, the Jewish people will see the Lord Jesus Christ as Shaddai and like a dry root, they'll take hold of Shaddai like water and, should, and when they do, they'll be like Jacob And they'll say, I won't let you go. I will not, Genesis 32, 26. I will not let thee go. I can't live without you. I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Why? Because Shaddai is water. And when Naomi uses this word Shaddai in verses 20 through 21, she's saying that she welcomed the correcting work of Shaddai because Shaddai was also gonna be the water that's gonna build her up. And the goal was not destruction, And Jeremiah, the prophet, prayed this way. He said in Jeremiah 10, 24, O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Naomi understood this, and that God's goal in correcting her was not in anger to destroy her, to make her fruitful again, which she was later, we'll see. So there was only one word that Naomi could use to express her hope in what happened to her in the future, it was Shaddai. 
And, and she responds to the people, and, and she says to the people, yes, I have been chastened. I have been corrected by God. You see me in my cut-down state, but God is Shaddai, and he'll water me, he'll make me bud and blossom. I'll come back because my hope is in Shaddai. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.